Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Uh, welcome to episode 73 of the Galen Trombley Show. We have um, a long-time fixture in the real estate market up here in the North Country and a bunch of other different things. I actually had my assistant, um, I told her, I said, yeah, I need you to stock somebody today. And she came up with a whole list of stuff because I knew you were involved, but then there's a lot of stuff going on here. So you have a lot of titles, a lot of positions, a lot of work that you've done over the last, I'm trying to do the math, a little bit under 30 years. That's um, Which is, like I said, I, I would love... I want to pick your brain on a lot of that stuff. And um, so, Matt Boyer, welcome. Well, thank you. Welcome to the to train here. station, the Glad office. To be in episode 73, right? 73. All right. And as, as Matt put it, he said, I just ran out of interesting people to talk to. So now this, by default, he's, he's our, our next guest. But uh, Matt, for people that don't know you, just give them a kind of a quick rundown of your background, um, you know, where you grew up, how you came to kind of get to the position you're at now. Sure. Uh, well, I'm a local, local boy like, like you are. Uh, uh, grew up in Champlain and Rosses Point, and uh, frankly, unlike a lot of my uh, peers and classmates, didn't really uh, see a need to have to leave. I still liked it. Uh, went off to school at St. Michael's in uh, in the Burlington area, Colchester, Vermont. Um, one of the reasons I went there is I was already dating my current wife, who was from the Colchester, Vermont area. So probably not the the right way to choose a college, but uh, so four years there, came back here. Um, took a job with a guy named Mark Berry, uh, and uh, Mark had at the time a small uh, consulting company doing uh, immigration work, so work visas and green cards, as well as industrial commercial real estate, and I took the job thinking, yeah, he's a nice guy, and he meets a lot of new businesses, so if I don't love working there, I'm going to meet a lot of new uh, place, or a lot of new people. Um, and that was about 28, 29 years ago. And this was right out of college, right? right? out of college. So you were like 21, 22? That's exactly right. I was 21. And, uh, and that started it, frankly. Loved working um, with him and with, uh, with the community. And uh, from there, just kind of blossomed. The immigration business, I did that for about 18 years with Mark, along with real estate. Worked out well because a lot of our Canadian-based clients We'd find them a location, and then they need two or three work visas for their key managers to come down and supervise the U.S. employees. Uh, but over time, the immigration business, frankly, um, it just it got more challenging. We were still doing it well, um, but uh, Mark was growing a bit tired of it, uh, and I enjoyed real estate much more. And I couldn't do immigration, the immigration business, and real estate alone. Um, so we chose to keep the real estate alive and and. Uh, and call it CDC Real Estate, break off the immigration business. And then a friend of mine uh, went to our high school, a guy named Tom Robinson, bought CDC Immigration okay. um, about seven, eight years ago and still shares office space with us. We still work closely together, but uh, so I do strictly the real estate side of things. Um, so when you, you went in, 
did you have a real estate? You had, didn't have anything, I'm assuming, when you got to college. Just kind of fell, fell into place with Mark. And I then, had an economics major and a business administration so, major. That was and that's it. actually more than a lot of people have, so that's good. <laughs> the, uh, so how did you know Mark? Just, I mean, Mark was local, right? Uh, Mark has a silly story, but um, basically I didn't know him that well. I had a communications class in my uh, freshman year of college. I had to interview someone that was in the newspaper a lot. And for anyone who knew Mark Berry... Uh, knows that he always enjoyed being in the newspaper uh, for many, uh, many good causes. Um, but uh, so I interviewed him and he had remembered that. And he was sitting at a breakfast with my father and another local businessman. And the other local businessman was pushing Mark to try and help him find a job for his son. And Mark got a little tired of it and turned to my quiet father at the time and said, don't you have a son, Ralph? <laughs> so, yeah, I do. He said, When's he graduating? So actually, he's, he's graduating this May as well. And he said, well, have him send me a resume. <laughs> I, I think the, uh, the funny thing back then was, I think that was how a lot of business got done. It was before LinkedIn, before all these online sites. It was kind of just sure. word of mouth. My mom got her teaching position the same way. It was my dad's dad and the, the superintendent at the time i think i don't know probably at the bar or something and that's how it came sure. to be and that's probably kinda, mr de grampery back then I, I, think. I think it was yeah. i think it was and uh so my so that's kind of a lot of i think that, that was kind of the linkedin back in the day was just kind of absolutely. around the breakfast table or, or the diner yes um, absolutely so, so mark um and you started off and then because I, what I looked at is commercial real estate business started since 1992, but CDC, was that, did that start in 1992? See, the immigration business and the real estate business all ran under CDC till 2005. 2005, we actually broke off and called CDC, CDC Real Estate, and we did just the real estate through that business. And CDC stands for what? It actually originally was Champlain Development Corporation. Okay. Because when Mark got started, he was an, he was a, a consultant, but doing work for the town of Champlain. Uh, so he went to Champlain uh, Development Corporation at the time and realized that was a bit parochial or pretty uh, small. So somewhere around shortly after I started there, probably '94, we we called, we wanted to keep CDC just because mm -hmm. we were known, and we then went to cross border and. Uh, Cross-border wasn't really a phrase being used all that often with border crossings at the time. Uh, so we just cross-border development corp, CDC, was uh, what we became known as. And that's still, as. What it's, still what it is now? Pretty much officially, yeah. If someone says, what's CDC stand for? It's cross-border development corporation. Gotcha. I couldn't remember, and Jordan asked me today, I'm like, honestly, I don't know. I think maybe commercial development. I, She actually... <laughs> I go, he works for CDC, and she goes, oh, the, uh, what's the CDC? Um, CDC, the Development Corp. No, 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 oh. CDC. What's, what's yep. the, uh, the health company? Oh, right Center for Disease yeah, Control. Yeah, that's it. So yeah. she goes, oh, he works for the Center for Disease Control. And I'm like, yeah, he works for that. And i just joking, and she actually believed that until probably about an hour ago. I'm like, no, 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 he's, he's a local real estate guy. Um, I, I'm not bringing in, yeah, national CDC people yet. So um, now, what, obviously, you got to try, you started working with Mark kind of by just, Probably the position was open. Right. And then when did you kind of really get into finding that you did like real estate or enjoyed maybe the immigration or real estate aspect? Well, I don't know. I mean, Mark was clearly doing immigration or I'm sorry, clearly doing real estate, you know, when I started with him. Uh, but I always loved it. Uh, so I, I think that um, I think he would agree. I mean, he was very good at what he did as well because uh, he was a great mentor for me. But I, I think I helped push that real estate a bit more than maybe he would have if mm -hmm. I had been there. Um, but it was also at a time where he was going from, 
you know, a three-person office to four and adding me in. Uh, so I, I would say that, you know, 1992 is when I started, and then it, it's definitely started to increase more uh, thereafter. It also gave us both more time. You know, I'm helping with immigration, and so we both had more time to do real estate. But I'd say it just it started growing right from there. Absolutely loved it. Did, did uh, So it, you, you found, like, you enjoyed real estate right off the bat. Cause, Absolutely. Because when I started... Um, that wasn't the case. I did it just to have better working hours and I, I got my, um, my license in college and then kind of dabbled in it. And then it was one where, well, go into it cause I have nothing else. And then it wasn't until probably five years ago, I really committed to like, I really like real estate and it took a while because at 20, as you probably know, at 22, your, your thought process isn't really, you still got a very immature thought process at that point. And now things are kind of tying together. But, um, so the real estate business, um, my question, I guess, is how to have how has things changed from 1992 to now? Because I kind of picture you guys. Obviously, the relationships have been built. Um, we're starting to see a lot of Canadian companies down here, um, you know. And I think that, I've, I've, as we know, like the economic impact of the Canadians is extremely helpful to us. Um, Absolutely. So where have you seen? I guess basically the last 30 years is what's the shift been or change or? Well, I think I mean the. Uh Gary Douglas and the whole team at the Chamber of Commerce have done an awesome job uh, nurturing the relationship we have with Canada. Um, and Gary actually uh, was hired at the Chamber of Commerce in 1992. And, and Mark was, I believe, the chairman of the uh, Chamber of Commerce board at that time um, and was involved in hiring Gary and thought the world of Gary and what his assets are or were at the time. Um, at that time, prior to that, and uh, Mark was considered and, and still is called, you know, I'm sure Gary would say it too, kind of the captain of the Canadian connection. So mm -hmm. Mark learned that, you know, when Harris Graphics closed in Champlain, New York, and there was now 300,000 square feet that you needed to try and fill up, a Canadian had bought it, but it was still relatively empty. Uh, Mark knew that probably the easiest, cheapest, and most sensible thing to do was just get in your car and drive an hour north and start knocking on doors because many of these Canadian companies had U.S. exports. Mm -hmm. And it was a natural first step for them to get a small U.S. location. Now they could have a U.S. address and go to trade shows or, or start marketing their product with a U.S. address and look like a U.S. company. And at that time, the Development Corp, which is also a very successful organization, I'm not sure they were doing a lot of marketing to Canada. They mm -hmm. had some Canadian uh, customers for sure, but I know there was some thought process too of marketing south, you know, whether it be other, you know, further south of New York, New Jersey, even Europe. Um, so all good attempts, but Mark was kind of the guy that grabbed the flag and drove north. Um, we started... Um, doing workshops up in Canada. Mark had done a few before he started with him, but we would basically rent a place. So very often it was the Dorval Hilton. They had a conference center next door um, near the airport. And we'd advertise in the Montreal Gazette, and it would be a how to do business in the U.S. Uh, workshop. Mm -hmm. And we would bring in a local attorney and a, a local accountant and a local uh, insurance broker, um, custom specialist. Um, we'd try and bring a guest speaker maybe from the U.S. consulate. And we would do these things. And frankly, at the beginning, uh, we might get as many as 100 people there and they might pay mm -hmm. as much as 100 or $200 at the beginning to go. We'd give them a good lunch. I mean, they would definitely leave with a binder full of information, which nowadays a binder, right? You know, mm -hmm. rather than uh, giving them it all electronically. But um, those worked out very well. And 
Gary uh, Douglas learned from that. And at, at a certain point, you know, we were doing all this work for this group of business people, or most of it, mm -hmm. as setting them up. And the chamber was just a natural, a natural uh, company or agency to step in and say, this is what we should be doing. You know, it shouldn't just be a group of six or seven businesses. And so uh, Gary understood that better uh, than anybody and just ran with it. So, I mean, that's part that has changed. I mean, it used to be from probably 1992 to 2000, 2005, you know, if there was a Canadian company or someone wanted to know about a Canadian company, they phoned us because no one else knew anything about it. And mm -hmm. typically we knew nine out of 10 of them, um, which is still the case. We still have that uh, connection to Canada. It's still very strong. Um, but we also rely a lot on the chamber to assist us with that, as do a lot of other businesses. So mm -hmm. I think one thing that's changed is um, Canadian companies are beyond the learning, more down the learning curve than they were in maybe 92. There's so much information on the web. There's so many Canadian consultants and, and professionals that have learned how to do the work um, that we were teaching them before. Um, you know, so I think it's all good. It's helped our area, just like you said. I think it's a it's a natural for a Canadian company to expand down here. I, I, on my way here, I spoke with an investor from uh, um, from Ottawa, and he's just lamenting the closure of the border. You know, he's got about 200 yeah. apartments on this side of the border. I can't even go and look at them. Um, and uh, you know, it's just there are there uh, there clearly are neighbors, and it, it's. It hurts all businesses, not just uh, not just ours, but retail, as you know. So we what? Need them. Yeah, what has been the biggest challenge for the COVID? I mean, obviously they can't physically go back and forth, or there's limits on how and where they have to quarantine. But have you? What are the effects of that? I guess in 2020, because there's obviously technology, but there's still right. you still need the in person at times. Yeah, you know, I would say you know, just you know, granted, since uh, the the COVID, if you call it that, you know, started. Um, you know, most businesses have slowed down, so it's probably a little less likely than a Canadian business person or maybe any business person would be calling up mm -hmm. and saying, hey, we're thinking of an expansion, we're thinking of doing this. But the few that have over the last three months, I find that they've made a call, said they're thinking of expanding to Plattsburgh, I follow up like normal, and then they've disappeared. It seems like every time the border uh, crossing or, or the, uh, the closure of the border gets extended, mm -hmm. they're just, they're not even thinking about it. Yeah. You know, if they, if they can't come look at a site and they can't come down and meet with a few people, you can do a lot on zoom. You can do a lot on a conference call, but it's still not the same. They want to see it, touch it, feel it down here. So that's affected it. It's <laughs> slowing down those well, leads from the residential side. That was, that was one of the, we got told right off that you couldn't show property. And then it was, you can't do anything. Real estate wasn't essential, which I was fine. I said, whatever, you know, we'll do this for a month and get back to it. Well, then they said, you can do, um, real estate is now deemed essential, but you have to do virtual tours because there was some, there was a couple scenarios, I think in the state where um, it might've been, I think there was a couple um, soldiers that came back and they couldn't have, their agents couldn't show them apartments. And I think there was a couple issues there's another like domestic abuse issue where the woman was trying to find not local. These aren't local issues, right, but right. Uh, state issues. So eventually they opened it up. And my thing was nobody's going to buy a home through a virtual tour. You might look at it, but every person I send a virtual tour to, because I didn't do any virtual tours. I'm like, it, it, there's no use. I didn't cause, yeah, I didn't no, nobody's going to buy. Some agents did, and some agents gave it to me. But every client I gave that tour to, they, their only question, their thing was, well, can I go see it in person? Which 
it was what they were going to see from pictures or everything else. So um, then they started to allow buyers to go in without agents, which still kind of allowed us to do some stuff. But um, that, yeah, I agree. You can't, real estate's one of those, you have to just be in the space. And I don't, it's kind of like a sixth sense kind of thing. You just have to feel the space. And it's got to feel right to you. I mean, um, you can look even, even just square, square footage or measurements of rooms can be different. I mean, they're the same square footage, but if they're laid out slightly different, absolutely. You know, with and it, it might be crazy, but like where the windows are located or just kind of location of stuff makes a huge difference. And I don't, you really got to step foot in a house. And I'm assuming because I've been in a couple, I don't do a ton of commercial stuff, but I've been in a few spaces. Same thing, like you go in with somebody, they they really want it because they have a vision in their head and they have to really focus on does this make sense. And you know, they're usually there with tape measures and measuring stuff out and. I think that's just part of, you know, the due diligence. To Absolutely. Now, from a commercial real estate standpoint, um, obviously commercial real estate is way more, because I'm not very familiar with commercial as I am with residential. Residential to me, now doing it for about 10 years, is, is pretty straightforward. Um, where commercial, my assumption is that it is way different. Every scenario is different, and there's a lot of, um, kind of creative aspects of commercial because I think there's a lot more that banks can do or people that can you can probably s- shift certain things around to make it better here or worse here. I'm, I'm trying to use very generalization or re- really generalize but um, I'm sure you could take terms from different spots or scenarios where it might be someone's best interest to hold off payments for a certain amount or, or maybe more upfront with money or so how have you found that from a creative aspect of commercial real estate like how was that because I'm kind of curious about that aspect because I, I like the creative side of real estate, but... Yeah, I mean, um, for sure creativity is 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 very important. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going away from creativity a little bit, um, but, you know, it also goes back to some of the most basics. Um, and I'm sure you've tried it in real estate too, is you listen to what their needs are you ask them the questions that they aren't even probably thinking and and you try to get even more information and you find this property that you think is just ideal you know we're going to show you this first because the others are are not close and uh, and then unfortunately something you know they're looking at it and right out of left field that you know let's well oh there's no natural gas at the road oh geez no but you know the Current owners using propane, they do it just fine. No, we can't do it without natural gas, mm-hmm. or we can't do it without this. Or there's all these little nuances that even though you try to learn everything, every business is a little bit different. If they're in an injection molding company, they have way more different needs than just a distribution company. And and you know, so from that perspective, I mean, you can try and be very creative in trying to show them something that might need some modifications, but unless you go that next step to show them how easy the modifications might be, or, you know, hey, we're showing you a city of Plattsburgh location, and you didn't think that would work, but by the way, they got the cheapest power in the nation, and we think maybe you could do some of your operation with electric rather than natural gas, or, you know, something like that. When it comes to the whole financial side of things, you're right. Sometimes um, for good reasons and bad they might not have um the company might have enough money to to put the down payment or find quite enough you know so sometimes you have to get creative you got to get that seller to realize that you know as badly as you want to sell this building as motivated as you are you've said you would never do owner financing Mm -hmm. but i'm wondering if you want it off your back badly enough 
that you're willing to do a small amount of owner financing. And yes, you might be in a second position behind the bank, but still you're unloading this, you're making your life better, you're getting rid of the stress. Um, so sometimes it's that, sometimes it's working to find alternative financial things. So, you know, we have the North Country Alliance, uh, which is a six county consortium of economic development agencies. They've got some money. You've got AEDC, uh, Adirondack Economic Development Corporation, and there's others. You know, so sometimes there's some small, small pools of money where they might be glad to come in with a little um, less stringent restrictions than a bank to put some of that gap money in there to mm -hmm. do a deal. Um, and of course, talking to the banks, I always try to make sure number one, you know, they have their favorite bank and that's okay. I'm all for loyalty, especially mm -hmm. if a bank's been with you, um, for the long haul. But I also think, you know, it doesn't hurt to have a second banker come to the table. So you at least can compare, um, or add a level of creativity. Maybe that other banker sees another way to do it. And for that, you reward that banker and maybe go with them, or you can go to your local, your regular bank. And but so creativity can be the only way you're going to get a deal done sometimes. Yeah, and that's that's something that I've really found. I think creativity comes with just time because you got to experience so many. Um, and again, we, we talk about you. You started in the early '90s. I mean that um, you know you have a lot more time than I do invested in this. But like even for me. 10 years, even five years ago, I've learned so much in the last few years, just being a lot more active. And you see so many scenarios where it kind of, it's kind of just filters through your brain differently now, because you can already see what's going to lead to a problem or what might, or, or, I mean, as you know, then you toss in the human element to deals and, or, or whatever. And then that throws another wrench in the, in the, in the, or cog in the wheel. And you start to, I don't know. I think my, sometimes my, my brain works much quicker than my mouth, meaning like it's just like right. my head's always going with different scenarios. And you try your best to be creative in the sense that I don't want to give up on a deal because I think if you – too many times people just kind of write deals off too soon because one, they're out of ideas. But I, I just know myself that it's like – I think you guys are the same boat. You've seen so many scenarios that – your writing off of something is way down the line compared to most people because you you know how to navigate kind of the rougher waters and get and kind of figure something out. So I think that's cool, and I think it's those are always the rewarding ones that close, and you're like, good, we saved that one. Where you know most times that probably would have been a done deal, and then you're or a dead deal, and you're trying to find something else. Absolutely, and that's and that's something that you you and your team I know do a great job in real estate. I think we do as well, um, but it's very hard to put on. A resume or a website or whatever that knowledge that you or I have in yeah. our in our brain from previous deals or the little warning bells that go off when someone starts going one way in a deal and you have to nicely say I've seen this happen before and you just mm -hmm. got to know you know especially with Canadian companies we know that they might come down to something as simple as you know I just incorporated a business and I'm ready to start buying real estate and, uh, you know, I say, how, how do you own the business? You know, oh, well, I own it personally. Well, you don't want to do that. Well, why? Mm -hmm. Well, because there's a whole bunch of tax implications. So you, you, you got to talk to a U.S. accountant, a Canadian accountant, your attorney. And then they learn, but then they realize that just because you've done those things before, you know, you know what things not to do sometimes. So. Yeah. And, and, and I think when you talk about there's more, there's more moving parts to commercial deals or longer term commitments, usually... From my understanding, um, things have just, you know, and I kind of picked the brain of my, my father-in-law who, you know, you know pretty well, but Absolutely. he, but, uh, it's just kind of, 
you know, there's, there's definitely more to it. And I think, cause everybody always asks me about commercial real estate. I'm like, you can do commercial, but it's, it's another animal. I mean, you're talking a whole nother, I, I don't know what it's, I'm trying to compare it to something, but it's like maybe in a musical, it's like playing a whole different musical instrument. Like, you know, it's not cause you can play guitar doesn't mean you can play piano in the band. So it's kind of one where it's like, there's a lot of time and effort. You got to, to really do it well, you got to focus on it. And I think that's why you see a lot of people specialize in things. And I think people that dabble in both don't give, I guess give the necessary attention that it deserves because I know you guys do have done commercial for years and years and years. And it's like the knowledge base that you have just by specializing in something is blows everybody out of the water, which is usually. Oh, thank you. And I think I agree with you. Um, you know, what you do every day is, is it makes you stronger sometimes. So if you're pulled in two different directions, maybe it affects it, but there's some very talented people that can do it. Um, but, you know, the other thing I say is if people ask me, you know, geez, I think I, I want to get into that commercial industrial real estate business. You know, I, I'm pretty honest with them and tell them that no real estate's easy, first of all. Yeah. So you, you got to give it a long time before you think you're making money and and, uh, mm -hmm. and living off of it. Um, but I think uh, with industrial commercial, it's even longer. Just, you know, it's nothing for the due diligence on a typical deal to go three to six months, sometimes seven months. And it still yeah. might die, you know, and that's I was going to say, I think that's even, I, I was, I, w I wouldn't have been surprised if you told me it takes a couple of years to put some of these deals together from probably the start, like grooming it and getting, you know, and as even with people with homes, I've, I've sold homes to people over a five year stretch. I mean, the first time I talked to them, the time we closed was five years. And I bet you commercial could be just as long depending on the company or the, you know, because you guys are affected more by. I think the economic outlook than we are because you're right. talking with Canadians, you're talking about trade tariffs and things like that. And, you know, import export and obviously two different countries, legal aspects and accounting aspects. And we don't really have to deal with that too much. Um, do you think that the, I think it would, but the Canadian dollar, the, the exchange rate, were you seeing that 10 years ago we had an influx of stuff because of the, the stronger dollar? Or do you think it was, well, you know, what's funny is whether it's weak or strong, we still, having watched over the years what happens it still seems like our economy is going to do well regardless mm -hmm. so if their dollars really weak our retail will most likely um, be harmed a bit mm -hmm. however if you go shopping in montreal and pretty much anywhere around montreal you'll find that you know there's a 15 percent total tax mm -hmm. uh, might even be a little more than that now but definitely at least 15 for the gst and the pst so we've got we've got eight percent down here um, and a lot of their stores tend to be much more expensive. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that even when their dollar's worth less, we're still getting plenty of shoppers in Plattsburgh. And I think Plattsburgh's a more reasonable, reasonably priced area than, let's say, they go to Burlington you know, for uh, the weekend. So I think we still do well from that aspect. But the other aspect is all the trade that crosses. So if they're making their products for Canadian dollars selling them for us they're taking those us dollars home and it's big money so mm -hmm. our, when the when the canadian dollar is weaker the warehouses are are probably more filled up um and, and the other thing is there's always that canadian businessman that's saying i'm tired of 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 just making canadian dollars i need to make some us dollars so that i can start bringing those back so a lot of the canadian companies that we have down here that's one of the reasons is yeah. they want to make some us dollars because they tend to you know, be worth more most of the time. Yeah. Um, now, the other qu question, well, again, we, got, we pulled some good stats off of here of you. So um, we can kind of fact check this, but 
Um, it also says you're directly involved, and I'm, I'm sure this is an old stat, 400 million square feet of commercial industrial space in upstate. So I'm sure that number is probably semi dated meaning you're probably more than that now but yes that, yeah that's quite I can't a bit of, tell you how much really i mean we did total it when we did that and try and get a rough number but it's just like you if you yeah. tried to figure out the square footage of the homes you sold yeah uh, i could i couldn't even do it now because i have to have to like now i've, I've hit, i finally hit the point where my early sales are off the mls because i've, I've uh-huh. got past the seven year threshold so there you go just sometimes we were we were actually uh trying to comp out a property I sold a few years back and I couldn't find it. I'm like, I know it's been within the last seven years. We ended up, we ended up finding it, but, but it was longer than, ago than what you thought. There, there's some, there's a couple of them now that when I start seeing they bought them in 2012 or before that, they're not, they're no longer on the MLS where, um, so now some of my deals that I did, I closed early on are no longer, I cannot find the stats on those. I mean, we probably still have the files, you know, on, online, right. but it's to see the actual MLS sheet, they're gone. Um, so the other thing is you're, on a ton of different boards, chairman. I mean, I again. I'm less now, to be honest with you. This some of these are dated, so yes. I'm gonna. I'll read through some of them and see what. So, member of the Montreal Board of Trade. And we still are active up there. Okay. Uh, but I, I mean, in all candidness, you know, other than some joint functions with our chamber, where I attend their events, or they actually invite our chamber uh to do workshops a lot of the workshops we do here in plattsburgh for canadians that come down and i normally MC them uh for the chamber um are actually done in conjunction with the montreal chamber so still active at least through through our chamber on workshops um with them okay so then we have past chairman of the chamber of commerce so you were the head honcho there for a sec for yes. a little bit yeah. of the time I was on that board for quite a few years yes what uh, how long were you on that board for i'm not sure exactly but i would say at least five or six years because um, i think i did fill two terms there i think and that, frankly that was the the most fun board i've ever been on that, that's a pretty big board though right there's like yeah, 15 20 probably, people yes, on that yes i think so that's one of the uh I've been more involved with the chamber over the last handful of years, yes. and I think it was funny because I think it was like two years ago. Jody Parks goes, he goes, how have I never heard of you before? Because I just never really was involved with much, and part of it was I was just you know I was kind of new and I didn't really know, I didn't really have a level of involvement that I, I should have. But that organization is phenomenal, and I've done some stuff with them over the last couple of years, and the people are great, the message is great, or the or the mission statement of the company and what they're doing is, you know, so I'm a big big proponent yeah. of that. I know as you guys are too. And I'm jumping off. I'll just say one thing about the chamber, and it's probably the most frustrating is, and I'm sure you will or have, I do too, you meet these companies that are great local companies that are not a chamber member. Mm-hmm. And and you'll say, geez, I, I can't believe you guys aren't a member of the chamber. You really should. And they say, ah, you know, I was a member there five years ago. And you know what? They didn't do a thing for me that year. And it's always a bit discouraging because, frankly, uh, it's not a lot of money to join and it's really if you're just a bit active with the chamber you just do a few of their functions you'll find that it will repay you oh. tenfold mm-hmm. you just need to be active and engage it and Wait. it's a great organization there's a thing they do is called north country connections which mm-hmm. is like for the younger i say younger but it's there, there's a different a big wave but i guess it trends more younger so i was asked to do it last year a blast. I met a bunch of people. Some are really good friends with me now because I met them through that. So then I, I call it the Seth Adams rule. He's done, I think, every single one that they've had. <laughs> so I told, I, I, I'm, this is my second year. We had, obviously, the COVID thing kind of threw it for, uh, you know, put a change in the plans. But that's one where I'll probably keep signing up every year because even though it's repetitive, you meet new people. And for Absolutely. me, 
like some of those people are really good friends with me now that have, you know they've been on the podcast or I go golfing with them now or just just to have the connection in the community. It's so a great program. Um, and then okay, we have the co-chair of the, New, the Quebec New York Trade Corridor Coalition, mm-hmm. and then the past vice chairman of the Champlain CVPH Board of Directors. Yes. Um, so you're no longer on that anymore. I am no longer. I did six years on that as well. And, and that's I, a pretty big board. Yeah, that locally. was. And that was also an awesome, awesome experience and uh, learned a lot. It's a massive organization with so many moving parts and yeah. it's not an easy thing to run. So, And then I have down at your... Also, SUNY Plattsburgh School of Business Dean's Advisory Board. So, are you currently on I that? I actually just stepped off of that. So, that'll need to be changed. Okay. Or I, I did step off of that uh, probably about a year ago. Okay. Which was also exciting. I mean, or, or fun, I should say. It wasn't necessarily exciting, but uh, yeah. It and, was. Okay. And then we have the Plattsburgh Community Housing Board of Directors. Yes, that's still current. That's a great organization. It's kind of a sister organiza- organization to. Um, Jesus, uh, uh, here I'm. Uh, uh, Plattsburgh Housing co- uh, Community um, is what we are. What the heck? I'm trying to think of it. Uh, what's the large organization that owns all the? You, my age is showing in this. Uh, Mark Hamilton runs it. It's uh, Plattsburgh Housing Authority. Oh, okay. There you go. So this is just a sister organization. Has some funds, and we're just trying to buy housing that we can, uh, or build housing mm-hmm. uh, that we can. Uh, fill some needs in the community so we've got a great project going on on new york road right now uh just beyond the danamora federal credit union yep i saw that going up pretty quick too um we'll go back to that i want to talk about that too and then you were just appointed to the board of directors at champlain national bank yes within the last half a year or so yes um and then so that was kind of like so my, my question for you on boards when did you start joining a lot of the bo- like how old are your kids because you said they're I'm old now. So uh, no, I'll be I'll be 50 this year, and my daughter is uh, 23. She'll be 24 this year, and my son is 21. So they're both in college. Nope. my daughter has graduated. Actually, works um, for Dave and Liz Courier at Courier Staffing. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, and she handles some administrative and payroll work for them, oh, nice. and uh, loves it. And uh, from what I can see, they're pleased with her too. So I guess yeah. we did an okay job. Yeah. And uh, my son is going to the Albany College of Pharmacy, and uh, he just switched uh, last year to the Vermont campus, where you can hopefully get it done in five years instead of six. Oh, so nice. he's on his way, and he's done three years of it. So were you ever? Because I've been asked to be on a couple boards, and I think some of them are, if the like, if you be, I say believe in the message, but if it's something you feel strongly about, something that you obviously want to be on or think it has a good impact. My problem is I have two very young kids, so like my. My board, my availability to be on board right now is pretty much zilch because between working here and I want to spend my free time with the kids. So were you on the boards a lot when the kids were younger? Or what? Yes. Yes. When they're real young? or Yes, for sure. Um, and and it, it wasn't easy. Like my, yeah. my wife has worked 28 years now um, in Essex Junction, Vermont for a family business that they have and has commuted four or five days a week all wow. those years. So. I was, I mean, she's an awesome mom and keeps the whole world going, mm-hmm. our whole world going on a calendar and everything. Yep. But when it came to kids and going to daycare and school and getting picked up sick at school or whatever, it pretty much was on me and or my parents at the time if yep. they were here and not in Florida. Um, so I'm not going to say it wasn't challenging for sure. Um, what I found is at the early board level, 
most boards it's one meeting a month and you know normally they're done at a, a, a good time so i say good time but seven thirty in the morning or a lunchtime mm-hmm. um rather than nighttime yeah to me that's the, the nighttime's that's tough your, for me yes that's kid time yeah. um and early on it's normally just that one meeting and then maybe a few you know hey we need you to come to this meeting or we really would like you at this but until you and if you go through the the board um, you know executive committees where they want you at more meetings that adds a second meeting a month or mm-hmm. we need you to come and speak at this thing or something that's where and I'd say those were a little bit later in my kids uh, um, you know as they got older those were a little later um, so the board requirements weren't too tough the chamber board was a long time ago so I'm sure my kids were younger um, but I'm not gonna lie it's not easy and even now that I don't have young kids to watch mm-hmm. I'm a little bit selfish with my time um, and that's why I'm only on the the Champlain National Bank Board and the Plattsburgh Commu- Community Housing Board and got off of others was because yeah you know you're trying to run a small business yep. too mm-hmm. and you can only there's only so many hours in the day and um, I absolutely love the hospital board but some of our meetings went three hours long, you know, in the middle of the day. And that's tough when, you know, your phone's lighting up and there's hopefully buying clients, purchasing clients, yeah. that are, you know, calling you. And he's like, wow. So after a while, you, it's yeah, tough. that's so that that's my big and I, I, most of the boards that have asked me, it's like I good cause. I was like, I would love to do it, but I think I'm going to get more onto it as the kids get older. And because I think it's a good way of giving back, especially if you think you can bring a level of like, I guess, common sense or or some good thought like you bring in some good stuff to the table or at least a level head to the table i think it matters and And you learn so much and you just like you like doing the program the chamber has each year and you meet so many people same thing on the boards i mean it just uh the networking is great yeah and it so i want to get more into that but i know there's you're on you or have been on some some and I'm sure these are just the tip of the iceberg of what you've been on over the career. I'm sure you've been on uh, smaller uh, boards here and there. Are, I have, you know, like youth hockey, you know, yeah. in, uh, Cougar youth hockey and uh, Rosas Point and, and smaller things like that. Uh, Champlain Children's uh, Learning Center, another great organization. Um, so, yeah, been on some good ones. Champlain National Bank that I'm on now, I'm uh, very pleased that they asked me. Um, and um, learned i have a lot to learn but i've learned a lot uh, already and it's just a, it's a great organization yeah no yeah, it's great and then uh so next thing i wanted to go into because it was um kind of a fun thing the chamber irish person of the year because this is kind of i think how if you if people don't know who matt is um you'll, you'll probably see him or hear him in some facet because of that because you do some emceeing in other events right you said because you right, kind of right um you know, you, you got a good voice. You you know, you can you can yeah. play the crowd. So, um, when did you start emceeing events? And then also, when you came on as a chamber MC or the Irish Person of the Year MC event breakfast, a couple what probably three years ago, four years ago. Yeah, uh, I think probably four four or five where I helped Kevin. Maybe yep. probably did a little yep. ten minute thing or something. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm probably a bit of a dichotomy. I I don't necessarily enjoy or love seeing myself in the newspaper or anything like that but yet give me a microphone um and and give me the challenge to make people laugh and i'll never give it up i I absolutely love it i think it's a personal thing from when i was a kid to trying to make family and friends laugh doing silly things um 
and you know and frankly you know as as i got older whether it was a family thing and a few comments had to be said or maybe after a funeral and you need a little bit of levity and some funny stories i mean i just uh, i'm not gonna lie i really i really enjoy doing those things uh not going to funerals obviously but trying to trying to make Lighten people laugh yeah and so um We've done these chamber workshops on how to do business in the U.S. since probably 92, 93, where I would have some role in it um, and been emceeing them for the chamber for, I'm sure, at least 15. Well, no, that's not true. Probably about 10 years. And um, I just always try and throw some laughter in there. And we find a lot of the Canadians, when they're getting uh, back on the chamber of, or the, the Board of Trade bus to head back to Montreal, you know, we get a lot of handshakes, all of us, because we just were there to not only teach them something, but make them laugh. And um, so I think through some of that, that's when the chambers, you know, said, you ought to step up and do this. And it's, um, it is a huge responsibility, I think, uh, at least I feel it is. Um, you know, the, the, the Irishman of the Year Award, and I don't know, it, it's possibly getting lost a little bit on, on younger business people, but back when I started in 92 and the previous years to that, um, and for a while after, it was quite the um, award. Yeah. It really meant you were just a top-notch business community person that was pretty much revered by, by most people. Obviously, some people, when you're out there and you're doing things, you're going to upset some people, but <laughs> normally you're doing it for a good cause and yeah. you mean well. And um, so hopefully over the years, we can try and prove more or, or remind people that it really is, a, it's a, I think, a very special award. I, I think it's... I think it's fun because one, it's early in the morning and it's kind of like a little, people are kind of playing hooky a little bit That's for a right. couple hours. Right. And, and then you come, and like so, some of the, like at the end of the day, it's kind of an award banquet, but you have to go and just see a bunch of people early in the morning. And I think it's just kind of a good little like jolt of energy early on and people are goofy and dressing up. And um, I think it's more laid back. I, when you talked about like the younger generation, I, I try to, I'm involved with like the Adirondack Young Professionals and some smaller right. organizations like that. And we're, they have a good core pe- a group of people, but it's trying to get people in- involved more in the community. And I think we're slowly getting people. I peer pressure a lot of them to go because I'm like, you got just go to it. Like you got to Like I think there's there's something to be said about just um, community support or just like you know uh, strength in numbers. And I think the more you get, even though it's kind of like late hard and like why well, I'd rather be doing something. I'm like you can, but at the end of the day, there's businesses. I I love doing what we do, but you still have to have like some fun with friends and the human element. And I absolutely. think absolutely, I think that. That's something that I've really realized over the last couple of years, which has made my job a lot more fun is I just, I have fun all the time. Like even at like my appointments I go on now are a little more laid back than I ever was before. And I joke and I jab with, with right. the clients. And the thing is you can see, you can instantly see people just kind of like, like when you go to a exactly. listing and they think you're at this like big important thing. And I used an example the other day that I go in and it was me and one of our newer agents. I was kind of helping her out in the listing appointment. I roll in. I'm like, hey, I'm going to take my shoes off because it was a pretty nice house. And she goes, no, 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 you can modest. No, 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 I want you to see my socks. Like, I never would have said this. I had, like, these funky polka-dotted socks on. But it's the idea that you can start to kind of joke around with them as soon as you get there. And then you can easily see. And it's a much better uh, – becomes way more conversational at that point than you trying to they're, sell them or them relaxed. trying to – Yeah, they're way more relaxed. They make better decisions. They trust you more, like, instantly. So Absolutely. So the Irish um, – yeah, person, I think is great just be just because of the lighthearted nature. But I, I still think it's a it's a cool honor. Um, I'll be honest. I think I've gone to like three of them in my life, or four, and I think I've really only known one person that's got the uh, Kevin. I think it was when he got it was the only right. one I knew because some right. of 
you usually get it later on in the later stages of your career. This is, they're not giving this to like a, a 34 year old or 35 year old or 40 year old. This are usually, you know, seasoned veterans of the, of the right. area. So right. most of these people are before my time. So I don't, I don't know them, but it's still kind of cool to see everybody. And especially when the people I do know that might be older, when they're hooting and hollering for this person, I'm like, okay, well that's kind of cool. This person obviously was a, a mover and a shaker at some point in their And uh, you know, my concern is, um, you know, with the with the age of political correctness, and I think it even going further than it's ever been. Oh yeah. The challenge, because let's face it, and, and I struggle with this, is that humor normally, you know, the, there's a reason why they say the butt of a joke. Normally, mm-hmm. in order for something to be funny, you're making fun at something, someone, mm-hmm. or some concept, and. Um, and I'm, it is very challenging to come up with things that people might still think are funny, and yet no one's, um, I don't want to say offended, because you shouldn't have to get too offended. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a challenge, and uh, every year is, is getting I, tougher. I've, no, I've noticed that, too, because there's, the, yeah, there's a time and a place for everything, but that, that event is definitely still holding on to the maybe pre-PC culture, which is, which is what I like. Because at the end of the day, again, I think it's, things have gone too far. Most people there are... They want to laugh and they're fine. And it's kind of like going to a com- comedian and they might say something off color, but it's hilarious. And right. like, okay, it's not, they're not attacking a certain person, but you guys do a good job. I don't think there's, there's really no, and I think the people that you, you do take a jab at are the ones that can take it and that For you sure. might have like a side. For sure. Like I have friends that I make fun of and they make fun of me and I'm like, I d- don't take offense to anything. I'm like, I'm, again, we're, we're in real estate. You got pretty thick skin <laughs> if you're in real estate. So I, I don't think I'll ever be offended by a joke. So. For sure. Um, so. Couple other things. Um, what is what is the I guess future going into the North Country or going forward in the North Country? I mean, you've you have a good, I mean, almost thirty, you know, 25, 30 years now of seeing things being built up. Um, where do you where do you kind of project the next? Because again, I think you have a little bit more inside track than a lot of people with involvement in you know businesses and economics and, and obviously different kind of boards and stuff. Maybe the next 10, 20, 30 years. Like, where do you think? And like, what's your hope projection? Where do you think that possibly the North Country could go? Because I'm assuming we're in a better spot now than we were probably 30 years ago. Meaning, with with relationships and with Absolutely. notoriety within the state and within within Canada. Yeah, and I would say, um, you know, like right now, just as an example, you know, industrial commercial space, we have an extremely low inventory of vacant space. Um, having done this so many years, when a Canadian client or potential client might call and say, I need five or 10,000 square feet of, of warehouse space. Almost never would I say, well, we've got just one site to show you. And over the last year or two or three, that's been the case many times. And so to me, that, that's one sign of how successful I think we've been, at least in that, in that area. In other words, you know, Bombardier was a big deal when they came way back in 94 or five, whenever that was. Um, I worked with Nova Bus from day one for about two years before they chose that Greenfield site in, in Plattsburgh. That was huge. They mm-hmm. brought Prevo Bus or Prevo Car in. Um, and now Norsk. And Norsk, I don't think, has as many subs or, or very few that I'm aware of um, that have located here. Um, but clearly, Bombardier, Nova Bus, and Prevo have plenty of subs. So I think. You know, between those two or three large players, we've been able to establish a really good uh, core of smaller businesses that, sure, they might have followed a contract with Nova or Bombardier to be here, but 
they want more than that contract. So once mm -hmm. they establish themselves in the U.S. and they start going to see other customers, they end up building more business. So even if Bombardier might not be hiring them or hiring them less now, they're still here. They still have the same number of employees. So we've built up a good, strong core of smaller businesses. Some may only have five employees. Some may have 10, 20, 30. Um, but it was something that Mark Berry always preached, and I learned listening to him, and that is... Um, it's great to have a Pfizer or a Wyeth Aeris. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I mean, you, you, you love having them, but when you lose them, it really hurts. So if you can have 15 or 20 smaller businesses rather than one big one, um, it's much less painful, uh, and the unemployment rate is much, much less affected when just one business leaves. It's kind of diversifying our, Absolutely. our so, the tenants. So a roundabout way of answering your questions. I think we have a really good course. So obviously companies are going to come and go. That's, that mm -hmm. just happens. That's business everywhere. Um, but I think we're much better situated than we were before in having several smaller businesses that are all doing fairly well. Some businesses like uh, MTL Cool, I worked with them when they came down and they do um, refrigeration type equipment. So your point of purchase displays, you're in a checkout at a store and there's a soda and an open display or, or who knows, you know, hummus displayed right there where you just grab it and run. They make all these specialized coolers. They're also doing some sterilization equipment with similar cooler equipment, but not cooling it, instead doing a beyond me but oxidization or ionization whatever but that's they've been very popular uh with these products during the covid uh, pandemic but there's one business that started in 5,000 square feet and within five years they're in 30,000 square feet mm -hmm. and their montreal location has also increased so there's a lot of those small little success stories so i think looking forward i think we're still going to see some of that there's no way we can keep having you know, four or five, six new Canadian companies that come here every year where we aren't going to see some really take off. So that's really good for us. You're never going to move Montreal. Montreal is four, 4.5 million people. They have a great industrial um, backbone. They're very entrepreneurial people. And, you know, we've had the clients that look at going to Georgia or Florida because they think it'd be more glamorous. Um, but at the end of the day, they normally come around to saying, you know what, I don't want to hop a plane to go and see my plant in the U.S., I want to drive 40 minutes or an hour and be there if there's a problem. So I don't think they're ever going to, you know, the, the border, uh, sure, we have concerns about immigration and all that. But in the long term, there's always been immigration that works for these business people. So as long as that stays in place, I don't see a problem. And then uh, retail-wise, same thing. You can't move Montreal. So mm -hmm. they want to get out of the city. They want to shop. They want a place that's quick to go on the weekend that's different or less populated. I think we're always going to win, uh, win there. So again, I think Plattsburgh and, and the whole region are going to keep doing well. Lake Placid, still an awesome destination mm -hmm. and still part of our North Country, so it helps us. Our airport, I believe, is only going to grow. Mm -hmm. you, know, it hasn't, you know, it hasn't grown as much as a lot of the regular citizens would like to see it. Um, but again, it's come a long way. Well, I mean, and, even from five years ago. Absolutely. You've know, you got to really look at, it's only five years, a blink of an eye. Right. What it is now. So I, I just feel like the economic development pieces of the puzzle are in place um, where we should keep growing. I don't see us going backwards. Um, you know, you can tell just along Route 3, whether it's a new Panera or a Chick-fil-A, you mm -hmm. know, those nationals, companies and franchises all look at some pretty tough uh, demographic metrics. So they don't just show up for any reason. And many of them actually don't take 
the Canadian demographics being a half an hour north into account, you know. Mm -hmm. So for them to locate here just at least tells me that we're doing something right. Yeah, especially with hotels too. And and I I think it's all good. And and the other thing too is how much – do you deal a lot with new constructed buildings, new constructed warehouse buildings? No, not really. Um, You know, have we? Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, The real problem is – is the cost of construction is is extremely high. It's yeah. grown. You know, when I started in the business back in the 90s, people would build a warehouse, let's say 20, 30,000 square feet, and they might spend $40 a foot to build it, $40, $50 a foot. Right now, in the Development Corp, who's been one of the few agencies that has been building recently, I mean, they can confirm that you're going to spend 90 to $110 per square foot for a metal warehouse. It doesn't look like it's much, yeah. but... So, you know, we we see that, uh, you know, existing ones, there aren't many out there for sale, but can normally be purchased for about $40, you know, per foot. Okay. So it just, it, it, you see very, well, and actually your father-in-law, Jerry Rosenbaum, would be uh, glad to tell you, it's very difficult to see a building that's built for $100 a square foot. You need to get financing on it. So you get an appraisal and the appraiser does a really good job on it, but comes in and says, well, all these other buildings that are still relatively new, um, have sold for $40 a foot. How do you appraise that building that's cost $100 a foot and make it work for financing? So that's why we don't see many new things going on. I hope that changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the short answer is no. That's yeah. why we don't see a lot of that. Yeah. Um, now, you said the building, the housing uh, portion of it. when you, that, cause that's For us right now, the market is the craziest I've ever seen it in 10 years. And probably the craziest since 2004 and five and six right before the housing bubble we have no inventory right now and i've noticed since every home that i've listed since june 1st has gone under contract and i'm talking probably eight to ten homes and we're talking days on the market the craziest thing about that is when you're putting homes on the market you're not getting one or two showings i had two over the past week I think they average 15 to 20 showings in like two, three days. And it's, it's absolutely insane. Um, that's kind of our biggest negative because people always ask, is the price going to go up? Is it going to go down? And I said, well, I can't see the price going down because of supply and demand. And right. I said, we're not getting any new construction and people aren't moving out of the area. Like they say like they were before, but um, and p- and right now people, buyers have money to spend versus 10 years ago when nobody could get a loan because the loans things were all the the guidelines were all shifting now it's very strict to get a loan but people it's kind of the new normal and kids my age are buying their first home this is all they've ever known so they're they're used to having to get a loan um i guess like you said building housing is that is that that's more like uh apartments or you know different kind of developments for just more, I think more apartments, right? They're right. Not Plastic purchased. community housing is all apartments, and and there was some uh, grant money that came in, so there are some targeted uh, tenant um, class classes. Yeah. Um, and I think a, a certain number of those units are are for um, domestic abuse. Um, yeah. Uh, victims and, and their families, um, and then some is for some. I guess you'd call it more. Um, workforce housing but with some parameters as to what they make and whether they could qualify to go there and it seems like you know the arc did a similar project and over in connecticut that was done about a year or so ago um so there seems to still be demand for that but um, those are almost all full i think correct yeah and then and you know better than me but these are the things that 
um, excite me about the area as well is when you look at the new housing projects that have been done, rentals uh, that have been done on the old base mm -hmm. or near you know, the, the Skyway Plaza, New York, yep. U.S. Avenue area. Um, I think if you really stopped and said, geez, over the last five or six years, how many housing units have been added? Mm -hmm. And there are very little vacancies, if any. I mean, it's There's just waiting amazing. waiting lists, a lot of those. Yeah. And, and if you're having, it's not like the people that have left their homes, you know, whether they're <laughs> retiring or decide they don't want a home and they go to one of these. If their homes are selling very quickly, as you say, there are, they are then again, it just seems like the, the overall economy is doing well in a lot of different areas. And those rents, from what I understand, aren't cheap. You know, there's some rents yeah. that are it's, 900 to 1300 1400 a month out that way, and they're renting. There, there's, there's, like, to put it in perspective, there's a house I sold this year. A guy bought it four or five years ago. He's He put in a new kitchen. When I say a new kitchen, I, I'd be surprised if he spent, I'd be surprised if he spent over ten grand in this house total. Okay. He's selling for forty thousand dollars over what he bought it four years ago. I mean, that's insane. When you talk about like a in, an increase in value, it's like blew my mind that some of the, some of the stuff I'm seeing now surprises me. Where I go to a listing appointment that we might have even talked back in the you know in the fall about listing coming up, and it's been pushed back because of COVID. I'm looking at the price. I'm like, would we say one seventy five? Well, let's try one eighty nine, one eighty five, and people are getting it. I mean, they're getting it within days, and it's like, what the heck? Like, it's almost. I'm almost challenging myself to kind of like paradigm shift like, okay, we have to go higher because even, I mean, it's just insane right now. It's absolutely insane. I've never seen this before. I mean, great. I've only been doing this for 10 years, but it's the craziest I've ever seen from a... No, and, and I, I've heard those things. Again, as you know, we don't, we don't sell homes, but that's what I've been hearing. Mm -hmm. And from our business, it's the same thing. When you, the warehouse costs $100 a foot to construct and companies are still renting their warehouse space out for the same numbers they were renting it out 15 years ago yeah i've been trying to educate them and say you know what if if we you know it's not that i just want rents to go higher but there's there's more demand yeah. and there's less inventory we've got to get your numbers up because no one's ever going to build new square footage you know footage we Let's, need we need to get there because we want more businesses to come here but yeah 100 percent um so a little more uh, lighthearted stuff. What what do you what do you do normally besides selling homes? Besides or not selling homes? Besides doing commercial? Besides being on the boards? Besides being dad? Like, do you do golf? Do you do? You, do I you, do first. And, and do you foremost. play bridge? Do you play pinochle? Like what? <laughs> first and foremost, I do whatever my wife has put on my list. That's okay. good. Yeah, that's why you've been married for for, for many uh, years. Uh, Nineteen ninety two, same year I there started to work. Uh, so uh, that's first and foremost. Uh, I do golf. Um, I, you know, my wife would say I golf a lot, but you know, to a golfer, I don't. I probably golf somewhere between nine to eighteen holes a week. You know, yep. and I'm in two nine-hole golf leagues at night. Um, I see your father once in a while on a Monday. He golfs night. more than nine or eighteen holes. Yeah, a week, I think he so. does. Yeah. I think he does. His game wouldn't show up, but he does. <laughs> he does do that. Yes. Um, other than that, um, I live in a, a, what I think is a great development in uh, in Rosas Point, mm -hmm. so Mountain View Drive, Beacon Heights off of Smith Street. You know, we have about 40 homes of just great couples and families, mm -hmm. and um, there's always something going on in that street on the weekend. Um, and there's probably five or six of us that have, you know, boats, you know, um, you know, just, you know, smaller bow rider type boats. And 
So I like to get out on the lake, you know, maybe once or twice a weekend. Nothing exotic. Right, the, but right out of the Ross's Point, Maria? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm at Gain, Barcombe's. Is it Gaines? I'm actually at Barcombe's right Barcombe, near the bridge. Okay. Yep. Uh, John Mott's. Uh, he's great. And, you know, so, you know, sometimes we, we go just across the, the lake. We get something called BAB in Alberg, which is a nice yep. sandy uh, beach. And you throw an anchor and you tie up with friends and family. and uh, Or we go to Point of Rush or Valcor. But I stay pretty close. And I don't go to Burlington that often. But so I might do that. I golf. I spend a lot of time with friends and family and uh, go out to eat once in a while and cook. and all Are, are, are you a barbecue guy? A griller? I'm a I'm a I like you can to get cook, by. period. Oh, no, I can do more than get really? by. Really? Yeah. See, so. Where did that hobby start? Uh, I'd have to say uh, my mom had a lot to do with it, honestly. I just like to do it. I'm not going to lie. I, uh, you know, probably 12 or 13 years old when my parents are both working, it was nothing for me to try and, you know, either get dinner started for my mother and go off of what she already had or... Or uh, or come up with something on my own, and I've just always liked to cook. So I uh, even during college, I, I lived with my future in-laws in the last year of college, and you know they had their own family business. Everyone came home around seven, and mm-hmm. dinner'd be ready. You know, I uh, I love to cook. I I uh, that, that's something that that's that's a hot. I love to cook. I'm the same way. Not just grilling, but like if I can follow a recipe. It's kind of it's like a satisfying feeling to like cook a meal that's like legit, like it's good. It's not just something where you just throw some ba- basics together. Ta- the problem is time. I don't have time to do it. Exactly. Um, so there's always those. It doesn't happen often. A few times a year, and my wife will tell you this. There's a few, only a few times a year where we'll have like a random Saturday with nothing going on, and I'm like, you know what? I'm in the mode. I'm just going to get a recipe about noon. I'm going to grocery store, or maybe or depend. Maybe the right. night before, depending right. what, if there's prep. And then I'm going to cook something really nice, and we just have it on a Saturday. And I, I pulled off a few of those meals. I think as the kids get older, it'll be much easier because now it's like, as you know, with young kids, it's kind of chaotic. But oh, yeah, um, yeah cooking's a fun thing. It's I think just throw on some music, have a drink, just relax, just kind of go I was about. Say and, a drink, you know, have a Manhattan or some wine while you're doing there, it. There it you makes go. It's it better. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's just a fun. It's kind of like a mindless thing that you can do, and I think. Like for you, do you have any, I guess what you just said is probably the escapisms because if you're like me, I'm sure your mind is always just, there's a million thoughts going through your head at a time and things, places to do and things to do and, or places to be. Um, So is cooking one of those kind of like escapisms for you? Absolutely. I'd say it's, it's cooking, it's golf. uh, It's, you know, again, we're, we're, we've got, you know, uh, some good close friends. I have a lot of friends, as I'm sure you do yeah. too. I mean, I, I love people. That's why I do what I do. I love yeah. the North Country because I know plenty of the people I run into every time I'm out. But I've got a good core of friends that, you know, we have each other over for dinner and maybe we play some cards, maybe we play a game, maybe we go off to dinner at Anthony's, the Pepper, wherever, yeah. and um, get a safe ride home. And, um, you know, we have some cocktails and a lot of laughs, and we do that just about every weekend. And that, to me, is, uh, that's the true uh, debriefing. The oh, yeah. yeah and, and if you're with other people, uh, I find, if you're with other people and maybe you have had a cocktail and you're listening to them, it does allow you to turn work off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, not everyone can do that. Some yeah. people have brains that just never, never stop. But mine, mine's pretty good at slowing down sometimes. I've, I've gotten, I've gotten, I've tried to do, be better at that, especially um, like dinners at, if we have dinners with friends, one of the things I'm very big on, because my phone is, as I'm sure you are, it's just, are both our phones, if we checked them after this, we'd probably be like, oh my God. <laughs> but the idea is that, those my I know my phone I should like a lot of times if we go to dinner my phone stays in the car I don't even bring it into the restaurant and that's just for me 
It's it's a weird it's a weird thing. If I don't have my phone on me, I don't even check it. If I have my phone on me, it's one where it's in the back of my head that it's like not that I'll check it, but it's just the thought that it's there. If, and it's I don't it's such a liberating feeling if I just leave my phone at home oh, in the I, car, oh, just yeah. something where I don't physically have it, and then I don't I literally just shut it out. I don't like I don't have, I don't have it. Don't, can't check it. It's all good. This, yeah, the statement. This is not a good statement when you're in a business like we're in. But if I happen to forget my phone somewhere, let's say it's a Saturday or Sunday on the boat, and I never, I mean, I always bring it. Yeah. But there is that occasional time where, you know, I'll say, honey, can you hand me my phone? And she'll say, it's, it's not here. You're kidding me, right? Call my phone. Can't find it. But then the next hour or two when I absolutely can't check it, it's pretty, it's pretty nice. You have another cocktail and it. It's good. And <laughs> yeah. like, like right now, the, the uh, COVID's kind of thrown out, again, cog in the wheel here. But uh, 4th of July, like you said, we have a bunch of friends. We go to uh, Fern Lake mm-hmm. and we spend probably three to four days on Fern Lake. And it is the only time of the year where I completely have no phone, meaning I bring my phone up. But do you I, have service there? Well, no? that's the thing. I lose service, and then everybody says, well, just get on Wi-Fi. I'm like, nope, I refuse to. So I take my phone. I shut it off as soon as I get there, which might be like a Wednesday night or whenever the 4th of July falls, and I put it in my bag. I do not open my phone, turn it on. My, my phone's off. It does not get turned on for about three or four days. Now, there is a little bit of anxiety when I turn my phone on, but yeah. for those three or four <laughs> days, I am completely checked out. I don't know what time of the day it is. I don't care what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing. I just I wake up. Hang out with people. We wake up, have coffee on the deck, have breakfast, spend the rest of the day doing whatever. Most you're basically with your best friends, just joke right, around for right. three days, have some drinks, go on the boat, come back, have dinner, have a bonfire. The most laid back three days, and then it's my like total summer recharge. This year we do not have that, which is kind of like it's kind of you know it's one of those that's like the probably the most frustrating. Not really frustrating, but it's just kind of like oh, I'm gonna miss it. But next right. year will be fun if we'll be back. Yes, let's hope. Let's yeah, hope. yeah. So that's that's kind of my. Uh, yeah, being on the phone so much, it's just time to like get away and just completely unplug. And it's hard to do in our business, but it's it's a necessity, I believe. Well, I think it is too. If 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 you've got customers that really like what you do for them, mm-hmm. um, and they want you to still be there in two years, three years, five years now to yeah. help them, um, yeah. hopefully they would understand that you just can't always. And there's nothing better. And if any of your clients are listening, hopefully they hear it. There's nothing better than getting a voicemail from a client or a text on a friday night and it says this is nothing urgent yeah if you want to call me this weekend you can but monday is fine yep. and i can just feel the pressure lift yep. you know sure sometimes i do call them saturday or mm-hmm. sunday but most of the time i say thank you i'll call you monday yeah i, ha- I had one last night kid texts me at like 9 30 goes don't have to answer me tonight i'm like perfect because i that's my thing too there's a couple days ago, I was on the phone till 10 o'clock at night with people. And it was just because of like, you know, schedules. And it, like, again, when I'm with my kids, it's like, listen, I got like two hours at night with the kids max, you know, like, let me get them to bed and then I'll, right. I'll work from like 830 to 10. But that that's the other thing. It's it. And, I, and I'm starting to get, as I've gotten into this, better clients or repeat clients or friends where they're just like, listen, I get it. Like, don't, it's nothing urgent. And my... My issue with a lot of the stuff is we're so dependent on banks and attorneys. They're they're not working at ten o'clock at night. So I said if I take care of this tomorrow at eight or nine in the morning, you're fine. Like everything right. will be fine. Right. Most people get that, you know, and I think that's kind of a a good mental thing for me just to kind of step back from. Um, but also the other question I had is, do you read at all? Are you a big reader of books or no? Uh, I do read, but it's almost a joke in my family. Like I'll get a book, um, but I 
tend, you know, I read everything else but the book. So, yeah. I, you know, my wife will normally say, all right, I've, I've, you know, it's a library book. I've extended it about four times. So either read it or we're taking it back. So I don't, I'm not a voracious reader. I, yeah. I wish I was. I'm just not. Um, but if when I do read, it's normally, it's got to be something historical. It's got to be real. I'm not a fiction reader at all. Yeah, I'm kind of um, same boat. You know, presidents, um, you know, Lincoln, Washington, stuff like that. I got a big, I mean, I got a bookshelf, but there's a couple, couple books up there that are history or, or I, li- I like reading about successful people yeah. because I like, yeah. I like kind of just like picking their brains or their thought process. So I have, um, I haven't read any of his books yet. I have three of them by Walter Isaacson, but he's got some good historical, like Ben Franklin, I have Da Vinci, I have Steve Jobs. So kind of, you know, gotcha. high yeah. achievers that I like to read about. Um, and last question for you, Matt, I'll let you get back to. Um, the hustle, the the phone, everything else. We get let you, to let you decompress a little bit, and you also got to give a. Um, you brought me a bottle of wine, which is very nice. It's going to go with my my true top shelf, which is partly because they only fit on the top shelf because the boards are only so big. But it actually worked out good. So we'll go up there as our. You know, every once in a while, we we look for a little nightcap. We have it here, so that'd be great. But um, last question for you. Um, one of our themes or. or uh, things that we use as local matters we use it so you being a local guy for you know your whole life at this point you know all what 41 years of your life you know the uh or maybe 35 whatever yeah Yeah. we'll we'll round down for you but um what what does local matters mean to you what what is that something well when you had that tagline or 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 byline whatever and started using it i mean um i like it i mean it's just it's kind of um the way i felt i think it's the way you feel i think it's the way your father feels and so many of the people that we work with or run into or or on boards with or network with so um i I mean what i like out of it is it's it's uh, it seems to cover not only the business part of it but it covers the 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 neighborhood like it's friends it's family it's helping people out Mm -hmm. um no I, i just for me it means everything i think it's uh it's a great way of probably uh saying in two words what the North Country is about as well, you know? So one of the reasons I'm, I'm not leaving. Yeah. So I figure no, you're, I like you're someone that exemplifies local matters quite a bit. So I figured that well, was, uh, but yeah, that, that's, um, like I said, guys like you and I'm hopefully, um, I haven't, like, again, I've kind of gotten in the inner circle with a bunch of kids my age that hopefully will, when you guys decide to hand the baton down we will have a group of people that can kind of know um, what they're doing or i really have no care. concern you're on you're it's, on your way for sure the, yeah, and, we, we, and already there yeah we, we have some yeah some great people i think coming up too that will fill in the fill in when you know the uh current generation that's doing or has done so much good stuff will will eventually be able to go just sit on the boat and relax right so that's right um but Matt, anything else you want to say, or I, I where can people, wanna, I guess, find you if they need to find? Well, CDC? I mean, CDC Real Estate. Although our office is in Roses Point, I'm in Plattsburgh. Uh, you know, four, five, six times a week. Uh, so glad to come down here. And um, I mean, you can find us uh, CDCRealEstate.com or or find us anywhere online. I think we come up pretty good in the searches. I want to thank you for having me here today. I think it's awesome what you do and taking this time. I think it's. Um, I think it's really good for you. I think it's good for um, Kavanaugh Realty, but I also think it's good for the business community that you do this thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and all the other things you do. So, kudos. Um, 
I'm sure you do work a lot of late nights just to get it all done. And I know you're a great uh, husband and dad, so keep it all up. Doing awesome. I appreciate it. It's, it's worth it. It's fun. It's a good. Absolutely. This is my one of my hobbies too, is doing all this fun stuff. So and enjoy it because it flies, man. I'm telling you oh. right now, uh, it's. Uh, yeah. I can't believe I'm turning 50 and. I always said, geez, I'm going to retire at 55 or 57. Not because I would have had the financials to do it. It's just what I always thought Mental. I could do. But now do, it's like I can't retire in do, five do you, years. Do you feel? Years. Do you feel at? Do you feel at 50? Like, do you feel any different at 50 than you do? And maybe a little bit physically, just because you yes, have more aches getting out of bed. But from a, but, like a mental, like sharpness, like love of what you do, and energetic standpoint. I mean, I'm sure you're not much different than you were when you started. Unfortunately, I have not matured. Okay, so which, I, which is good. The same it's, guy that was uh, 21 and started in 1992 is pretty much, other than, like you said earlier, I've seen a lot of things and I've learned a lot of things, so I think uh, bring more to the, the to a, a work table. Um, but as far as the way I think and, and you know, uh, no. I still want to laugh at things. I still want to enjoy what I do every day. If I don't, I'll stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, physical aches and pains, but you know, I get out there and try and jog three to four times a week. Uh, a few so people say you look good too. I don't. A few, uh, yeah, a few people see me and they'll say, "Hey, I see you walking in the morning." <laughs> and I'm awfully tempted to say, I, "That's my jogging," but uh, but yeah, that was a cool down, right? That was yes. a cool down portion of yes. the run. Yeah, but uh, no, enjoy it because it it really flies. Yeah, really too fast. Well, my my oldest is two and a half, and it like. I'm like two and a half. Are you kidding me? And it just, yeah. Now that people say that, I totally get it because I was holding him last night, like rocking him to sleep, and I'm like, he's like, where was my like little kid? You know, like a little baby when you first had him, and now he's this little little child. You know, that's getting a lot more animated and finding his. He can talk now, so which is which is fun. It's <laughs> it's best. good. It's that's good and bad, time. but it's a lot more good than bad. So yeah. cool. Well, Matt, I appreciate you. you coming on. Um, if yeah, if you guys want to. F- Anything uh, commercial real estate need-wise, CDC, just punch it in Google. You'll find him. Um, he works, obviously. Uh, well, I shouldn't, we never mentioned her, but Alex. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I don't, Is I, it still Alex Berry, or did she change her last name? It's still Alex Berry. Okay. So. Uh, but she's uh, married to her husband, Eric. Great guy. Yep. And uh, they, have, uh, they have a son named Noah who's, uh, I would say, about... He's 14 little, months old yeah, he's, now. Yeah, he's a little bit older than my daughter. Okay. Yeah. And he's an awesome kid, and Alex is awesome to work with. Um, and a very, you know, very bright team. girl, because I've... I've started, but she's she's uh, she's about my age, right? I don't want to give her age away, but I think we're about the and same. And I'd probably get it wrong, but I think she might be right around 27, 28. Oh, so she might be younger than me. Well, maybe okay. she is going to be 30, but I thought she's more like 28. Well, she looks at least 27 tops. Oh, well, there we she's go. She's looking great. But yeah. no, I, I'm very fortunate. We're an awesome team, and there's nothing that she can't do that I do, and we just work very well together, yeah, and I'm, I'm lucky. And she, she, she's kind of like me. We, we grew up in the, the real estate industry for many, many years, her, her father being mark so that absolutely yeah good i was gonna tell you one other thing though the one thing that changes when you're 50 or as you get older and you're in our businesses there is that one call out of 10 now where you might know that maybe maybe the person isn't telling you the truth you learn a lot as you get older or you say this you want to treat everybody really well but every once in a while i think as you get older you learn which ones are really going to waste your time you have to be as nice as possible your filter your filter is much better or or the ones that um the the financing aspect well i'm good for it i'm like Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you're the one I'm worried trust about. Trust and verify, right? You're the one, trust yes. You're the one I'm worried about. So Awesome. Cool. One there, Mark. Thank you. Or Matt, Mark. No problem. Mark, Mark Barry. Matt Boyer, thank you very much. Uh, episode 73, Galen Trombley Perfect. Show. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. 
you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.